Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Do the hard things, and over the next few weeks, there's going to be numbers of guys part of our preaching teaching team who are going to be sharing from the teachings of Jesus found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And uh, if you didn't, you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast either in Mansfield or Ilkeston because both of them were the same. Phil and I took the, the, the same outline, and we were encouraging people to just enter into the hard things of what Jesus was wanting from us. And this morning, I have to say, I've really grappled with this word over this week because this is a real difficult word for me to share. It's not difficult for me to deliver. It's it's actually more difficult for me to personally live out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's easy to say things, but to actually outwork it day to day in my own life is much more difficult. And this is one of those words. Because what I want to talk about today under the headline of do the hard things is how we can love outside the box. Just tap the neighbor, say to you and say, love outside the box. My readings this morning are going to be from the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament and it's one of the, it's the first book of the New Testament written by the person Matthew. That's why we've got, his name is Matthew, okay, because he wrote it. Pretty, pretty good, eh? I'm, I'm full of intelligence, me. And there's three particular passages that I want to share, and they're going to come on the screen because there's a little bit of length to them, but I want you to just bear, go with me, and then we're just going to reference them. And because I need to share all three, because otherwise there's, there's no context to it. And as I say, this is Jesus encouraging the people to come up on the mountainside and they sat and he taught them. So in essence, you know, take this as a little bit of mountainside. I'm certainly not Jesus in any way, shape or form, but I'm here to teach this morning and you are here. So let's launch into it. The first one is found in Matthew 5 verse 21 through to 25. He says there, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Rakar, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Jesus then follows this in verses 38 to 42 of the same chapter of Matthew when he says this. And again, it'll come on the screens. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn then to the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you or take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, you are to go with them two miles. 
Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And finally, let's just flick over to two chapters, the beginning of Matthew and chapter 7, because Jesus there from verse 1 says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is addressing the whole issue of relationships in these three passages. And we'll be referencing these verses over this 20 minutes or so that I have with you. But first of all, I've always loved home improvements. My mum and dad aren't here this morning. They're members of this church, partners of this church. But I've always loved home improvements and my brother's here. And as long as I can remember, and I'm sure he can remember, even when they owned a new house, they were always doing something even to this new house. It's a bit bizarre. Well, I remember we, we bought a bungalow. We'd only lived there about 12 months and we had a new bathroom. We had new kitchen. We had an extension put on. It was a brand new flipping house. Sorry for the flipping, but you know, all this disturbance. And yet they just, there's something in them for DIY and home improvements. And I guess that's where I have the love of home improvement, uh, home improving. And I, it was a bug from my parents. You see, Home improvements is about blowing out a wall or two or ripping something out and renewing it, make it safe, fixing something, even bringing it up to code. And Jesus, in these verses that we've read together, is doing his own improvements, but in people's hearts. He doesn't do it gently, though. He drops a hand grenade in their hearts and... Boom! Everything, and I mean literally everything, was blown up. The dust is now settling. And what is the overriding message to this hard thing message that Jesus is now teaching the crowd on the mountainside? This is what he says. Live outside The box. We often say to think outside the box, but what about loving outside the box? What do I mean? Well, let me explain. I love those I like. Who love me back? I love those who are my family, who are kind to me, who say nice things about me. We exchange gifts. But what about those who insult me, have hurt me, who continue to resist me? The nasty, the difficult, the obnoxious. You are thinking about someone now, even as I talk. (laughs) 
Do not lie. Do not lie. I have the gift of discernment. And as I walk around, I have a radar. And by the way, have you got it? These people, they're kryptonite to us. And the truth is, we all seek ways to retaliate. In our minds, when we see them, we freeze and internally we're going, die, die, die. Don't lie. Don't, please don't lie. You're laughing because I know it's true. Because we all have these feelings. It may not be quite as strong as die, 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 but pain, pain, pain. Yes. We want to get them back to pass judgment on them. And worse still, delight when they are in crisis or defeat. In fact, we do a private celebratory dance. They're in pain, they're hurting, they're downcast, they're depressed. Am I the only one doing the dance? No, I'll leave it. I'll leave that to this man over here. He has all the moves like Jagger. Okay. listen to me loving outside the box means something completely different this is what Jesus said again in Matthew chapter 5 and following on these verses that I've just read in Matthew 5 and I'm reading it from the message version just because they're so earthy Jesus says you're familiar with the old written law love your friend And its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. Listen, this is Jesus talking. This is not a nice crafted book, you know, that we're now reading. He taught these things with like you guys now. And people were listening to it. And they got it. They understood where he was going with it. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best. The sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone. Regardless if they're good or bad or nice or nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Listen, anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is this. And you're not going to like it, crowd on the mountainside. Grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others. By the way, the way God lives towards 
you. Jesus is addressing relationships. And it is so hard. So my question in all of these things, these are beautiful verses, but as I've already confessed transparently, they're easy to talk about, but what about to you know, really get my hands around them and my heart around it? The more difficult, would anybody own up to that truth? Give me a wave if that's the just, oh my goodness. So how do I make relationships work with those who are different to me or I struggle to get along with? And I want to take these, this question and I want to just settle it with just a few headlines. What I do need to say is there's so much in these passages. It's impossible for me to delve so deep into them. But there is so much more that I could say on each point. And it may be that as a result of this message, you may need to talk to your team leader who you're serving with. You may need to talk to your small group leader or someone who you trust who's maturing God to just work some of these things out. Or even it may be you need to make contact with the office to meet with one of the pastors. But let me tell you, God is not letting us do the easy things. He's talking to us about the hard things. So how do we do it? Well, first of all, we've got to forego our own rights. Forego our own rights. You may say, Christian, are you stupid? To quote Josh last week, have you been smoking something? Is there something going on in your head or your heart? What, what do you mean our own rights? We're taught to have rights. We need rights for males and females. We need rights for those of different sexuality. We need rights for those who are disabled and of different colours. We need rights for the poor and those who are impoverished. We need rights, rights, rights. Listen, I'm not against any of those things. Please do not misunderstand me. But as a follower of Jesus, we forego our rights. Right. <laughs> About 15 years ago, I shared a message around this in this church. And I had many, many people come to me at the end and said, I don't understand. What do you mean we have no rights? Even then. But I still maintain 15 years later, this is the Bible. When we become a follower of Jesus, all our rights are... Gone, because this is what it says in Mark in chapter 8 and verse 34 to 35. Then he called the crowd to him and along with his disciples, so they weren't excluded from it. And he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple, basically whoever wants to be my follower, whoever wants to follow me, you must first deny yourself. You lay down all your privileges, all your rights. And you take up your cross, which was an emblem of death. And you follow me. (laughs) For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, some versions say save it, others say find it. These are difficult truths. And Jesus would have had the same sort of response from his crowd as I'm having this morning because it cuts across the culture of the day. I am not saying you you are a doormat. Please do not misinterpret my words 
or misunderstand my words. The point is this. We are dead in Jesus. We take up our cross and we follow him. Jesus said, we must die to ourselves. Another person put it this way. Not my will, but your will. I must decrease. You must increase. The way to life is death. Jesus is counterculture. So we have to forego our rights. Secondly, if we want to understand how we can make this relationship work and live outside of the box, we've got to learn to settle matters quickly and be reconciled. It's a matter of choice. It's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of choice. In Matthew 5, we've read the example that Jesus uses of being angry likened to murder. I didn't say this, Jesus did. And by the way, this is so difficult for me because my temperament is one to get angry very quickly. I don't say that to it just is. This is the one area that has taken a long time and still is for God to do a deep work in my heart. My brother would know I am by nature, we're very different. Lee is much more relaxed and Karen was looking at him now. I was thinking, yeah, right. You know, you're not married to him 24-7. I'm explosive. He's a little bit more passive. Anger has been an issue of my life. And some of you, I know it's the, the issue of your life. So you can imagine the kind of challenge that I've had this week grappling. No wonder, Chris, I look tired been grappling with this word. Now, I want to say, if Caroline was here, thanks be to God that God is doing a work in me. But Eleanor would know, and Isaac would know, and Lillian would know, and if Annie was here, would know that God is still doing his redemptive work in my life. And he needs to. Because my bias would not be to settle matters quickly, and certainly not to be reconciled. But Jesus addresses this, and by, as I say, by going back to it, by saying, if you're angry, it's likened to murder. Yeah. Now, before you get worked up, there's two kinds of anger in the Bible that I see. There's only two. There's one positive, there's one negative. The positive one is a righteous anger. The one that we see Jesus when he turned over the tables. And by the way, it wasn't just because there was changing money in the house. It was because those money ch- ch- changers were, were, were exploiting the poor. That's what they were doing. Jesus was massively into the poverty and the poor. He had a big heart for poor people. And guess what? So does Arena Church. Whether we're poor in material or whether we're poor in spirit, I want to say this has got a welcome home mat on the front that says, you're all welcome. So if you're here today and it's your first time, you are very, very welcome. Have you got the signal? Come and join us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, if we're going to do it. Yeah. I get righteously angered by injustice in the world and poverty when I see the pictures of the war in Syria and the millions of people who are now trapped as refugees. Oh my goodness, I want to tell you, I feel a righteous indignation. But Jesus wasn't talking about this. Jesus was talking about the kind of anger which is negative And the kind that he's talking about was this emotional anger. 
This anger that arises from how I am affected. My rights. How I feel. How you have made me feel. (laughs) What you did to me and... This is why Jesus is digging so deep in these passages. They're so tough. And I know most of you here, because I know most of you fellow, you'd seek to be followers of Jesus, but I had no doubt this will dig very, very deep in all of our hearts. Here's what Jesus, sorry, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25. Let me just read this about angry, anger. It's very, very clear. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hot heads. You may say you've just had knowledge you was one. I'm in redemption. Because <laughs> it's true, bad temper is contagious. How many of you know I could be with Andy and I'm bad tempered and then we just knocked with all the roads and the highways and he, I, I'm rubbing off on him. And guess what? Before long, he's starting to get, yeah, those jolly roads. And I was traveling there from, in my car and then there was, it's contagious. It's contagious. We are called and counseled not to get angry. Let me move quickly. But we are counseled to settle matters quickly. Verse 25. And to be reconciled. This means we are committed to making repair. Phil shared a message nine years ago about making repair. It would be ludicrous. Who are car drivers here? Just give me a wave. If you've got a puncture on your car, not a slow puncture, but a full-blown puncture, who would continue to drive down the M1 in that car? Just raise your hand. Oh, nobody. No, neither will I. Some of you ladies are a little bit unsure, I can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Julie, I understand, but, you know, we'll just leave that one alone. Okay? You would make repair. You would stop and you would make repair. The car is like the relationship. Why do we continue to keep going on and thinking everything's going to be fine? It won't be. Go back to where you were and make yeah. repair. Can I say it again? Make yeah. repair. Settle matters quickly and be reconciled. One of the things that I have to remember out about this is keep a short account. I've got a whole illustration there, but I need to move on. Thirdly, if we're going to Enter into this living outside the box. We've got to let God do his work. Why this is so important to me, this has been the one that I really stuck on. Because you now lose control. Some of you like to be in control of your relationships. You like to be in control of your life. But this one, we have to let God do his work. Matthew 5 verses 38 to 48 are some of the most misunderstood verses. These verses have justified my attitude and my actions. But listen carefully. Verse 38. Jesus said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You must listen to me. I'm just going to read this. The Old Testament law for the judges and the civil courts so that the practice of private revenge would be discouraged was these verses. This law was given to stop family feuding. 
How many of you know that you've heard these honour crimes? So we have some police influence here in the life of the church. People who work for the police force. You've seen it many times before. That uh, uh, you know, a kid jumps another kid with a baseball bat. But then what happens if his family feuding? That then goes further. It's not a baseball bat. They actually knife him. And then what happens then they find about and then they shoot him. Yeah. Anybody, we've, all, we've all seen them in the press. This is what was happening in the Bible. Yeah. They took the law into their own hands. This law was not given for people. It was given for judges and the civil courts. And this passage does not mean take personal revenge when you're wrong. It actually means do not avenge yourself, but let justice be administered. You see, the Pharisees were applying this law, are you still with me? To justify personal retribution and revenge. They misappropriated this law to suit their own ends. The Old Testament and New Testament repeatedly forbids personal vengeance, whether by insult or physically. Just look over here, Leviticus 19 verse 18. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as I am the Lord. Let's go to Proverbs um, uh, chapter 20 and verse 22. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. But many of you are saying they're all Old Testament and we're now in a new realm. Well, let me now take you to the Bible of verses of all that underscore this. Just read it on both sides. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome evil, but overcome evil with God. Jesus is addressing serious heart issues that arise from a spirit of lovelessness, hatred, yearning for revenge. In these verses, Jesus is saying, do not treat the person who is attacking you with an unloving, unforgiving, unrelenting, vindictive disposition. And listen to me. This was my problem. Because I like taking revenge. When I played football... I liked leaving my boot in. I liked taking a pop. I like having my way and getting my own back. Should have passed and said, liked getting my own way. I liked getting my own back. I don't want to undercover my, uncover my parents, but I just need to underline this. I was taught that if someone hits you, you hit them back. That is not in the Bible. We don't like this stuff, I'm sorry. It is not in. I have, I have searched my heart and the scriptures over this, this week more than any other. Because that would be how we taught our kids. It's not in the Bible. I can't find it anywhere in the Bible. Neither can I say you just sit there and let somebody take a baseball bat to you. But it is not ours to revenge. It is not ours to retaliate. 
whether that's physically or by insult. Because actually the context of this is actually about insult. Because the slap on the cheek was actually, it was more than the physical. It was, it was seen as obscene for somebody to slap you on the cheek. Yeah. It was an insult. Right. And Jesus was addressing this issue. And why you've all gone quiet and why I went quiet in prayer and in study this week is because the world has said it's okay. But how are we living? Are we going to live according to the Bible or are we going to live according to the world? I'm not saying the police don't have forces. They do. This is why I say, if some of you need to come and talk to me, I'll talk to you after this, not straight after this service, please. Just give me a little bit of a rest. But at some point we can talk about it because it's so clear. In fact, Jesus says this, you have heard it say, but I tell you. In the area of retaliation, going the extra mile and turning the other cheek. So we need a moment. Tap your neighbor and say, come up for air. I'm serious. Just tap the other side. Say to them, I need a break. I need a Kit Kat. Or something. I feel like I need a break. In fact, I need a cup of tea. Is anybody can get me? No, I'm joking. <laughs> this takes it out of this stuff because you think, whoa. And of course, when Jesus was teaching, he gave room for just conversation. He knew this was just going to wreck them, play with them. And this is why we don't teach this stuff in the church because it's so difficult. But Jesus is, is relentless in his pursuit of love outside the box. Lastly, and we'll move quickly because time's gone. We need to get a reality check. Matthew 7 verses 1 to 6. And you notice how I've gone through, I've addressed all the chapters that we've looked at. Because Jesus here is saying, he's using an example, uses the speck of sawdust and the plank as an example for passing judgment, the overriding statement of all, of all in there is, as you are judged, so you will be judged. <laughs> and no, no, none of you are like this, I know, but none of you are judgmental. It's just me. I'd have to put my hand up. You're just beautiful, spirited. It's just me who's judgmental. But I have a judgment about everything. I have an opinion. No, I'm actually, come on. Who has an opinion about everything and a thought about everything? Oh, thank you. Wonderful. I'm not alone. But this is what it says in the message of these verses. We'll just let the word do its work this morning without picking over it. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5, and again in the earthly language of the message, says this. Don't pick up on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. I'm talking like Jesus would. Do you want the same treatment? Neither do I. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to smudge, easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. And you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face when your own face is distorted by contempt. 
It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holy-than-thou part instead of just living your part. And by the way, this is why I've tried to be so vulnerable with you this morning because I'm not coming from a holier-than-thou and I've got this sorted. I am on a journey. Stretch your hands and pray for me. I'm joking, okay? But seriously, I'm on a journey here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. You might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Listen, we're all sinners in need of God. We're all sinners in need of freedom. Julie said about growth track. It's not a program. It's partly a journey, a next step. It's not just a discipleship program, but there, if you're here and you have need of God, then we want to introduce you to God. And you'll do that on growth track. They'll give you just some help to talk about how you can get to know God. If you're here and you say, oh, I need to get free, more free, there'll be some help, pointers, of how you can get free. This is why growth track is so important and we've already heard it but please don't leave this place if you've not been through growth track without signing up to the resource up on June the 4th. Even if you're on a bit of a journey to faith I believe God will help help you because we need to get free and we need to get a reality check. We have to look at ourselves for who we are and what we are. Wives look at your man and say you're not always right. I dare you. Go on do it. You're not You've not all got your husband's ear. Some of you don't say it. Listen, men, we're not always right. Now you can turn to your wife or the person that's signing and say, wife, woman, you're not always right. You don't do it, do you? I know, I, I, I understand. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. None of us are perfect. We have to get a reality check. Look in the mirror and see ourselves for who we are. Let's not be quick to just judge others because the judgment that you pass on to others will be measured back to you. And finally, kill your enemies with kindness. Matthew 5 verse 43 to 44. You have heard that it was said... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Crowd on the mountainside. These are hard things, but they're not impossible things. Jesus has told me to tell you this only becomes achievable, doable, possible as you yield your life to the Master. As you yield your life to the Master, His power will be at work in your life. And He will enable your life to be lived so differently. For his glory, 
and for his praise. I wonder if we should bow our heads for a moment of prayer.